Ortho Laser Orthopedic Laser Centers is proud to sponsor the Ortho Show podcast. Ortho Laser Orthopedic Laser Centers is killing it right now. We have six centers open with two more opening in the next eight weeks with 10 more sites in the queue across the country. We're exclusively powered by the MLS M8 laser technology. Laser treatment is an awesome alternative to traditional cortisone shots and surgery for all of your acute and chronic orthopedic pain needs for your patients. To find out how you can supercharge your orthopedic practice and become a part of the OrthoLaser community, go to the OrthoLaser website at www.ortholaserwithaz.com. That's www.ortholaserwithaz.com. From medical media, this is The Ortho Show. Hey everyone, it's Fro Time again on the Ortho Show. Dr. Scott Sigmund, your favorite orthopedic uh, surgeon, opioid sparing, here for another great episode of the Ortho Show podcast with a dear friend of mine, Michael Redler. Mike, pleasure to have you on, brother. Scott, thanks for having me join you. Always a pleasure. So let's do a quick intro to let everybody know who you are. You're the, one of the founding partners of Orthopedic Sports Medicine Center that merged uh, with Connecticut Orthopedics. You're an assistant professor at the uh, Netter School of Medicine at uh, Quinnipiac University. I never say that right. How do you say that? It's called Quinnipiac University. It's the Frank H. Netter School of Medicine, but you were very close. Thank you for the help with my English. <laughs> also, Physician Leadership Board of One World Surgery and a visiting professor uh, with the hat true on his head at the University of Virginia. I actually like would like to introduce you as my orthopedic brother. My, I'm sorry, my brother of another orthopedic uh, mother. So welcome to have you on, my friend. Well, I appreciate that, and I can't wait till my mother hears that introduction. <laughs> She's going to love it. So, you know, we've, we're going to pivot a little bit. We've done a lot of deep dives on a lot of subjects, but, you know, you and I go way back. We have very similar practices, and I thought what we would sort of do is just sort of talk about it like the current state of affairs, right? We're post-pandemic. We're seeing patients. We're doing some stuff we like. There's some other stuff that we don't like. So, I mean, you know, what's cooking? How you doing? How's the practice rolling out? You happy? You unhappy? What's happening? Listen, I think that every time and every clinical situation creates all kinds of challenges. This has been unique for us uh, amongst uh, orthopedic surgeons in the fact that, you know, we had to shut down to the bare minimum, just like you did, just like almost every practice in the whole country did. We had four offices. We cut down to one. We were seeing only urgent patients in post-op and, and operating on only urgent surgeries. That creates a uh, significant situation because, frankly, you've got patients who really need care who couldn't get it. You have patients who need care but was afraid to get it. And so you're dealing with a lot of emotions from different patients and trying to meet all their needs and have them understand what we're going through is, was a big challenge. And what's your percentage? Where do, where do you think you are right now as far as volume of patients, you know, surgeries? Yeah, so... You know, listen, as the pandemic hit, uh, I had a tremendous amount of elective surgery that got canceled, much like I'm sure many surgeons around the country. And and the big question became is what to do with these patients. They had to understand that even though the problems were big, they weren't considered urgent. So now in Connecticut, we've been doing elective surgery or at least a portion of it for about four weeks now. And when I say a portion of it, these are patients that are under 65 no case longer than two and a half hours. We've tried to minimize general anesthetic 
and no significant comorbidities. Now, patients with diabetes or other significant medical problems were not part of this initial group. So if you take all those criteria, you'll probably have available about 65% or 70% of your patients may be eligible for surgery. However, some of them have lost their job and yep. don't have insurance anymore. Yep. Some of them are now finally getting back to work and can't take the time off. Exactly. And some of them are just afraid to have surgery. So, you know, you've, of that 65%, there's probably about 65 to 70% that have now gone through with their surgeries. And I don't know about you. It's a complete pain in the ass. I mean, you know, it used to be a pain in the ass, but now it's really a pain in the ass. You got to sign people up. Then they got to get COVID tested. Do they get the COVID test in time? Is there enough staff at the surgery center? Is the insurance approving? I mean, it's, it's like literally you drop two or three cases on any given scheduled day. How, how about you? Well, I, I think that we are dropping cases. We've had patients where literally we didn't have the COVID-19 tested that morning when their surgery was later on in the day. And that was a big challenge because, you know, you're waiting for the envelope, please. Exactly. And they have their surgery. And, and so that was a big challenge. Uh, but, you know, I think patients who really want to have things done are willing to jump through these extra hoops. Our surgical center, which is a surgery center in Fairfield County, has done a fantastic job in terms of guiding them through that. Having said that, you have to do lower volume. The turnover time is a lot longer in the rooms. Uh, I've learned all about 99.9% of air clearance between one case and another in the operating room before you can go to the next case. Things as an orthopedic surgeon you actually would have never thought about before. Yeah, I mean, I, I, one of the, my great traits is is patience. You know, people love me for my patience, not even close. So the idea for me sitting around for like an hour in between cases, it just it's driving me crazy. You know, here we are. We did four cases the other day. We literally had to send two of the patients home because their COVID testing wasn't back. They came back at one, and then we finally finished up at like 3.30. So the whole process is is out of sorts at this point. We're, I want to be clear, I'm not operating on people unless I think they're safe. I'm not operating on people unless I'm confident that their surgery will go well. It's just the it's the air traffic control and the tarmac and all that stuff that really seems to be hurting us. Yeah, and I, I've got to think in my mind. I picture you sitting for an hour between cases, and I'm saying, <laughs> what is Scott Sigmund doing for an hour? Well, he's probably done three webinars, he's done two different podcasts, and and he signed up yet another great franchise for Ortho Laser. So. I'm pretty sure you're not just sitting there twirling your top thumb. So yeah. Great. All right. All right. Point well taken. I do like to keep things moving for sure. So yes, I am getting a lot of work done in the surgeon's lounge that I otherwise would not. You are a funny man. Thank you for pointing out all of that great stuff. So let me ask you a question. How many thousands of dollars of plexiglass have you bought? So, you know, plexiglass is an interesting industry. And, uh, you know, I've got to say to myself, that if we were ever going to remake the movie The Graduate, and The Graduate was a classic movie, as you know. Dustin Hoffman gets great out of car. Car, goes to, it was a great car, it was a, it was a great girlfriend too. But yes, nevertheless, uh, you know, he goes to the cocktail party and they whisper around him, son, I have just one word for you. Back then the word was plastics. In 2020, the one word is plexiglass. It's, just, it's like literally we've spent $15,000 in plexiglass. We are literally, our entire office is now one large cone of silence. 
Well, listen, uh, I think the uh, TV show Get Smart was well before its time. <laughs> and uh, you Yes, know, you I nailed think... the reference. Thank you. Appreciate that. <laughs> but, 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 but nevertheless, listen, it's a new reality. Uh, and and as, as surgeons and physicians, we're used to having surgical masks on. Maybe not the two masks with the uh, N95 under and the other mask on top of it, which, by the way, tends to make you hypoxic, short of breath for yeah. at least the first 20, 25 minutes. But patients aren't used to it. And that increases their anxiety on top of the fact that their anxiety because they're going out and the, as this pandemic still continues and, uh, and they feel short of breath. And so it makes it even more of a challenge for them to focus on what their problem is at hand when they're just trying to say, how the heck can I breathe with this mask on? And what do you do to keep your glasses from fogging? Exactly. Just the little things in life, for sure. You know, so we're, we've done our best to do six feet apart for all of our staff and, and this, that and the other. But, you know, it's it's not easy. I mean, I find that the technology is starting to ramp up and we have to make sure that our patients can keep up with the technology. One of the things that we're doing in order to keep the waiting room empty is we're allowing everybody to try and pre-register before they come in so they can do it online. There's an app on your smartphone where you can even do it. You can pay your copay before you walk in. And then we literally will text you in your car when it's time for you to come in. And all of those things are awesome for like the people that can handle it. But then there's just a, still some people that can't. And so what do, what's your experience with the technology? Well, so our technology has been pretty good. As part of Connecticut Orthopedics, we use something called a Freesia tablet that had allow them to do that all that ahead of time. So the infrastructure was there. And yes, everybody has different levels of technology uh, acumen. Uh, having said that, yes, we have to, even of those that come into any kind of waiting area or socially distanced, every patient has their temperature taken. Every patient's wearing a mask. Every patient's asked to wash their hands when they come into the room. And we've been cautioned in no undue terms that you may not double book or overbook because you can't crowd that whole area, whether it is the car, whether it is uh, in the waiting area. And uh, so that's been a challenge in terms of patients who want to get in who've waited so long. And now it's more difficult because you have to keep your volume down because you have to be responsible in terms of uh, appropriate uh, cleanliness and, and separation. Yeah. You know, yeah. you know, completely agree. So what do you do? So for me, I'm actually still going to the office and doing a lot of telemedicine from the office. And then my nurse practitioner is actually seeing the actual patients that come in that need to for injections and things like that. And then I can pop out and go see them too, you know, as needed. What, what are you doing? So I've been going to the office. I've been seeing patients. It's a little reduced schedule. I've been doing a lot of the telemedicine from home. And, uh, but with a laptop and with an iPad, which I use for dictation, I could pretty much go anywhere. And then I get inspiration for media gurus like you. And now I've even got a ring light. So, that they, <laughs> so I feel like I'm crushing the telemedicine here. No, you're crushing, um, crushing it. I love it. I love it. So I'm actually out on my back deck on Fridays. They won't let me come to the office on Fridays because, again, we got 11 you know, practitioners and things are all messed up as far as timing. So I have to say, I was out on my back deck looking at the lake with a cup of coffee, doing some telemedicine. I did about 15 patients, booked about three or four surgeries on a Friday morning. And I was like, this ain't so bad. Well, I've got to tell you one telemedicine story because everybody will always ask you as an orthopedic surgeon, you know, how do you conduct what is a valuable visit if it's telemedicine? And so I had a woman very early on in the pandemic. She was out for a run because frankly, that was all you could do. She fell hard onto her shoulder while running. 
uh, and, and has severe pain. She apparently had seen someone at a walk or something in total. She had a frozen shoulder. And so, but then because I'd taken care of other things, I saw her via telemedicine. She says, I am in such severe pain. I have not slept for more than 45 minutes a night and I can't move my arm. Well, I asked her to passively move her arm. In other words, take her other hand, raise it up. And as soon as she let go, it dropped back down. I said, yeah, you don't Rotator cuff tear. <laughs> so based on that telemedicine visit, I ordered an MRI and they were able to get it. And she had an acute massive tear. So these are the one of the ones that I think a lot of people would argue probably need to be fixed more urgently. Sure. Uh, sure. The decision was made that it, it was going to be done. So I saw her back via telemedicine. I was able to review her MRI with her, schedule her for surgery. We did her surgery and, uh, and, 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 and she's done great sleeping better, feeling much better. And basically the entire process up to the point of surgery was all done via telemedicine. So, so you this literally, you literally met, you met her in the holding room, literally. Uh, well, except for I'd known her before, but okay. yes, in terms of seeing her live again, yeah, that was the first time, but we had gone through everything. I had seen her lack of function. I had heard about her pain and I had reviewed her MRI. So in that situation, telemedicine really did knock it out of the park. You know, it's it, it's funny though. Not everybody can do it, but I think some of the cutest things that I've been doing is the is the telephone calls to the elderly because you know the, the 75, 80 years old they can't they can't do the smart thing they can't do the video this but you just call them and and you know you got one of these apps now on your cell phone where it, the call comes from your it's coming right. from your it says it's coming from your office but it actually comes from your cell phone so these these cute old you know little old ladies and guys are like oh my god dr sigmund you're calling me personally that is so sweet it's like it's like you're talking to your grandmother you know they're so happy to get a phone call they appreciate that you've taken time out of your day to call them and then you say yeah you know maybe why don't you come on in and we'll do a cortisone shot oh that'd be great thanks so much doc so it's really kind of funny yeah, so we we have been able to do pretty well, even with the older or the patients w- with the phone, if they get cued into it. Uh, but if I should ever ask them, well, can you show me where it hurts and say, well, here, can you see it? And I said, no, but that's a wonderful picture of your ceiling. Uh, <laughs> I, 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 I can see everything, guys, you know, or that they, they love to stand in front of a window. And so all you see is a silhouette. So there are some technology uh, challenges. However, I've got to tell you that overall patients are pretty darn appreciative that they've had a visit with their doc uh, in their living room. I mean, it's, 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 and they haven't had to wait in the waiting room. They haven't had to go through all that. They feel safe. And even if it's, it's not going to be uh, everything that an in-office exam would be, these are very appreciative patients. Yeah, you know, we all take it for granted. Oh, it's about, you know, the doctors, it's our time, we have to be efficient with our time. But think as a patient, I mean, in order to go to a doctor's office, most of us are seeing patients from like eight to four, eight to five. I mean, you got to get in the car, you're in Connecticut, you got an hour's worth of traffic both ways. You come in, you sit in the waiting room. Not, I know that Mike Redler's always on time, so they don't have to wait long in the waiting room. So that's good. But the point is, it's like two and a half hours out of your day. You have to take time out of work to go and do this. You can sit and work in your office, close the door, and you can have a doctor's appointment. That's pretty cool. Uh, I agree with everything except so Michael Redler may not always be on time. But... <laughs> I got I got one of the vitals on time doctor awards. It's one of my favorites. Well, listen, uh, I, 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 I am aware of that, and I admire it for it. And I said, <laughs> well, this guy is just too good to be true. Oh, that's not. Stop it. Stop it. So, um so what was I going to say? One of the other things that's really been pissing me off lately is uh, is peer to peers. I mean, these insurance companies have not 
paid for a single treatment for three months. I mean, they've been hoarding the money that have been coming in, right? There's nobody going to the hospital. Nobody's having elective surgery. And now I'm trying to get all these patients lined up. And I swear, it's like 50% of the time I have to take time away from seeing a patient, pick up the phone and talk to somebody in God knows where to give me approval for my surgery. What's your experience? Well, I, I think the peer-to-peers have always been challenging when you're trying to get these patients who have been held off from getting their care for months. It's even more challenging. And in terms of they're all residing in God knows where, yes, someplace in this country, there is one town that if you look at the map, says God knows where. They all live there. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, you know, listen, I think the experience is variable. And, and, and we've overall been very successful in dealing with peer-to-peer, but what you're hoping is with a colleague that actually understands the pathology at hand. And, and if you talk, and what I've done is just talk to my colleague and, you know, with terms like, you know, as we both know, and, you know, assuming that they do, and that, that seems to work pretty well, it's an extra hoop to jump through. Um, it's unfortunate. And uh, it un- is part of life in 2020 and, and probably beyond. Yeah, it seems yeah. just seems to be getting worse. One of the other things that I was I wanted to talk about was I saw an article for the head of uh, CMS. I forget her name. She's the, the 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 chief medical officer over at CMS, but she's like, I can't see us ever going back to not using telemedicine, which was really good news because they were threatening to pull the plug like July fifteenth or something. Yeah. But I think I think we're all pretty confident that telemedicine is really going to be here to stay. I, I did see that. And, and listen, I think that in any horrible situation, good things can come. Yep. And, and the good thing that can come here, that there are different ways that we can communicate with patients. There's different ways that we can deliver care. And uh, if, uh, you know, CMS, CSMS uh, recognizes that, and that's something they're doing in a forward direction, that's a good thing. And I hope that it's here to stay because I think it's an additional tool we can have for all of us to take good care of patients. Yeah, completely agree. So, um, so I'm getting Scotty Becker on uh, next week, but I want to make sure I stay on that list. You know what I'm saying? Well, listen, you know it, it's it's unbelievable. You've you got to be happy to be on any Becker's list. He right? is, he, he's the master list maker. He truly is, and to have, to have both of our names on that list is uh, is a real treat for sure. So. Hey, man, this is perfect. This is exactly what we wanted to do. It's a short episode today, but it was great to talk to my dear friend who's, who's just a, a, a real iconic leader in orthopedic surgery. He's a big thinker. People love to listen to him. He's a he's a affable, intelligent, and funny man. It's a pleasure to have you on today, my friend, as always. All right, Scott, I appreciate being able to connect and be safe. Same thing we tell all of our patients with telemedicine and uh, move forward and uh, your, your star continues to rise. And uh, I, I watch it with it with awe and uh, just with a sense of marvel. Well, appreciate you, brother. So I want to thank our sponsor, Ortho Laser Orthopedic Laser Centers. This is Dr. Scott Sigmund, hashtag follow the fro, host of the Ortho Show. Till next time. <laughs>